thing. Week one, so turn to week one. There's also a place for you in your books to make notes if you'd like to make notes out of what I'm going to share this morning. So uh, <clears throat> we're really going to look at the question of, of how we are doing with evangelism as a church. And so I'd like to start in a, in a sort of uh, different way. I want to ask you to turn to the person next door to you and just let them tell you or you tell them of what they think or feel when they hear the word evangelism. All right? What does it make you feel? Just for one moment, speak to the person next to you. What does it make you feel when someone says evangelism? Quickly. Okay. All right. So, you got some ideas? Yeah, I'm going to display, ask Jesse to play us a video clip of a couple of people just saying what it makes them feel when they hear the word evangelism. And we're going to go from there this morning. All right. Here we go. Okay, so there, there are a couple of, um, a couple of, re uh, of uh, people giving their opinion. What, uh, did you identify with any of those things that they said? I could certainly identify with some of those things, and perhaps you, you said some of those things um, to each other. The sense of excitement, but fear at the same time, knowing it's something that you should be doing, but not quite knowing how to do it, those kind of things. Uh, I have two um, stories that I'd like to tell you when I think of evangelism, and uh, I've said this before, so if you've heard them before, apologies. But I, I have two distinct, uh, well, one distinct memory of when I was younger. Uh, there was this guy that uh, used to walk around shopping centers where I was, uh, at, uh, uh, when I grew, grew up in, in, in South Africa. And he literally, he had a coffin on the top of his car. And I'm not kidding you, it said turn or, turn or burn. It's and some of you might have seen something similar. But he had this coffin, and uh, I was walking through the shopping center one day, just minding my own business, as you do in a shopping center, and he literally jumped out in front of me. He went, Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus? I nearly had a heart attack, and I, I was like, I was and I'm sure he was well-meaning and all that kind of thing, but I didn't find it particularly helpful. I didn't find it helpful at all. Uh, the other story I want to tell you is that uh, I've got a, a, a neighbor, a guy called Mel, who helped us with our coffee shop 
And I've been wit- we've been witnessing to him for the last two or three years. And he's been going through some real stuff in his life. And every now and then he'll come and speak to us. And we'll try and point him towards Jesus and try and uh, show something of Christ's love through our lives, through how we speak to Mel about his problems and what he's going through. Now, I know uh, there's a certain style of evangelism that I would prefer. And it's not the coffin, turn or burn kind of style. It's the kind of style of someone engaging with me and saying, can I speak to you out of my life about what Jesus has done for me? And so over the, the, these next nine sessions, we're going to try and think together as a congregation about what evangelism is, what it isn't. And we're going to try and work out how we can encourage each other to share the good news that we've received from Jesus ourselves. And so that's really the heart of this, is that all of us would grow in confidence in sharing Christ with other people. That's what it's about. It's not so much about techniques. It's not so much about um, five steps to being saved. We, we, get, we get to that stuff later. But what it really is about it primarily is something in our hearts becoming excited again about what God has done for us. And out of that excitement, we start to share the good news of Jesus with other people. So let me just make a very simple definition. In terms of the of biblical understanding, evangelism has everything to do with the evangel or the gospel. Uh, and simply put, the gospel is good news. We know these things, don't we? It's the good news that Jesus saves those who put their trust in Him, who put their complete trust in the finished work of Jesus. These are the kind of things that Christians uh, would say. It's the wonderful truth how the grace and power of the Lord Jesus keeps us free. And out of that freedom, we can walk through our lives and God teaches us as we walk. This is really the good news of Jesus that we proclaim. And uh, when we started talking about these things in our, in our life group, I, I became aware that even the word gospel has got different connotations for some people. So, for example... Some people in our group said it brings to mind in their, in their history religious kind of um, church meetings called gospel meetings. It, br- it brought to mind even some Bible bashing kind of fundamentalists in terms of how people uh, com- try to communicate with others. For others, gospel meant a style of music. Yeah? So I'm aware that the word gospel, which encapsulates something for us, can mean different things to all of us because of the, of the backgrounds that we come from. But... The intended biblical intention with the word gospel is, is, is more about this extremely exciting and mind-blowing good news that's touched our lives, that's transformed our lives about who Jesus is and what He came to do and to show all mankind the way back to the Father that we can be free from our brokenness, free from our sin, through His forgiveness and live out this transformed life. That's what it's about. So I want to try, I hope, that um, we, we're going to reclaim the meaning of the word gospel as we go through this course together. Because that's really what it means. It's this amazing demonstration of what God has done in our lives. And out of that place of excitement that we take the good news that's touched us and share it with other people. Yeah? That's, that's what we're hoping we're going to see in all of our lives. So simply put, evangelism really is the action of the telling of the good news. Uh, so there's the message and there's a the telling of the good news. And I want to start with this question, and I, I, as I'm trying to um, 
help us to get excited about this. Do you remember, can you remember that moment uh, that the gospel touched you and transformed you? Do you remember what it felt like when you got saved? Can you just for a moment try and think on that, that experience whenever it happened for you and remember what it was like? It was good news for you, wasn't it? It was life transforming for you. It did do something in your heart that changed your heart forever when God revealed himself to you. Do you remember? And I know this. When I, I remember, I, I got saved at the age of 12. I might have told you the story before. But there was this American group that came to uh, the church my dad was leading. They were called the Luminaires. They were like, like old school six-piece harmony band, right? And they sang all these songs. And at the end, they made an altar call, and I completely lost it as a 12-year-old. I went forward, I knelt on my face, I wept my eyes out. I didn't even know why I was crying, and I got radically saved at 12 through a very old-fashioned kind of singing group that came to our church. I don't know what it was like for you, but I remember what it was like for me. That moment was a defining moment in my life. I want you to think about, as we think about sharing the good news of Jesus with others, what it was just let it motivate you to remember what it was like for you the day that you got saved. And the point is, is that um, when you get first get saved, do you notice the people that often share their faith easiest are those that have just got saved? Do you notice that? They're just like, they're not, share, they're not, they're not scared. They, they kind of just got this boldness. Jesus has done something amazing for them. And out of that place, they just start speaking about Jesus to other people. But I've noticed this after a time this kind of instinctive reflex that we have to share the good news. The longer you walk with Jesus, some, sometimes it, you lose that, that reflex and it becomes a little bit more of a task that you feel like you have to do. And I'm hoping that we're going to see all of us regaining that reflex, that instinctive, yeah, I just want to tell you the good news of what Jesus has done for me. I just want to share my life with you. This is what Jesus has done for me. And it's out of this place when people kind of lose that passion that it, I, I think we begin to think as Christians, well, it's really, it's not my, not my responsibility to share the good news. Perhaps um, it's for those really gifted people, you know, those ones that have the gift of evangelism. <laughs> it's for them. It's not really for me. Uh, it's, it's, it's for those that are kind of uh, a little bit more gregarious, those that kind of have, are good at answering people's questions, perhaps. And we, we begin to kind of default and say, well, it's not really for me. I'm just an ordinary kind of Christian. It's for the guys that are really gifted at, at uh, these things that need to do the work. But I want to just remind you right at the beginning as we, as we kind of look at this course together, the tone of the whole of the New Testament really is evangelistic. If you read the Gospels, read um, Acts and the letters, it's the, the burden in the New Testament, the early church, is the advancement of the gospel through the witnessing of ordinary men and women to what Jesus has done for them. It's everybody's responsibility. In particular, remember Jesus, when he commissioned his disciples uh, in Matthew 28, what is his last instruction to them? He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do that this morning. Some people who are going to demonstrate what Jesus has done in their lives. And so there, there is this kind of instruction to all of us from the, 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 the risen Lord Jesus, all of us that are in Christ, to make disciples, all of us, every believer, to make disciples of everyone that we have opportunity to speak of Christ to. And I, 
I, I, I kind of think back on this amazing question of Paul as he challenges um, the church, and he says, it's a, it really is a haunting question. He says, how will they hear unless someone tells them? It's amazing, Paul. How are these people going to hear this amazing good news of Christ unless somebody tells them? And so there needs to be a messenger. And I'm trying to say to you this morning, and I'm saying to myself, we all are the messengers. Yes? It's not just the special ones. It's not just Mourinho who's the special one, all right? I didn't get my joke. Okay. You know, do you watch football, anyone? Jose Mourinho called himself the special one for many, many years because he won all those titles. Well, we are all the special ones. We are all the messengers. We all get the job to do, and we, we need to put our energy into doing what the God, the Lord has called us to do. Remember the second half of Matthew 28 says, it says we've got to make disciples, and it goes on to say, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you even till the end of the age. And for me, that's incredibly uh, comforting that God, Jesus promises that even in the midst of us doing this thing, He is there with us, and He's encouraging us. He's, he's right by our side as we are engaging with other people. And so, the question we're trying to consider this morning is, how are we doing as a church? And I don't say that in an accusing way. Um, I'm kind of saying it in like, a, uh, I think it's healthy every now and then to audit, to audit your life, to order, audit your own personal uh, vision for your life. And as a church, it's good for us to audit. It's good for us to say, ask the question, well, how are we doing? Uh, where, where, where are we in this process? Uh, where can we learn to do better? How can the Holy Spirit help us to be more effective? I think that's a healthy question to ask. And um, part of this uh, program, they, they quote some, some st statistics that 80% um, of Christians that they surveyed believed that they did have a personal responsibility to share the faith. But over 60% over didn't tell any other person about how to become a Christian in the last six months. So there's, <laughs> what does it mean? It simply means there's a disconnect, isn't there? There's a disconnect by, between what we know we are called to do, what is our responsibility, and, act to, and actually acting on that responsibility. There's a little bit of, di of a disconnect. And I, I certainly identified with that. I think I've said this before, but the longer I've been involved in, in leading church, the more disconnected I've become from people that are just not in church. It's kind of like, it becomes, over years and years, all my friendship circle largely are people that are saved. And so we have a wonderful opportunity when we, when we are in our workplace to engage with people that don't know Christ at all. They're not part of the community. And that's what I'm trying to encourage us to do. And so I, I'm trusting, as we do this course together, that the natural reflex of this church is once again going to be bent towards sharing the good news with other people. Yeah? That it becomes more instinctive, instinctive for all of us to share our faith as a natural part of our lives. And so that encourages us, that, that, that requires that we encourage each other, that encourages us, uh, that, that, that requires that all of us be faithful in doing this, this task together. And I'm talking more than just getting good at a sales pitch. I'm not talking about the technique of it. I'm not talking about memorizing scriptures to kind of like you know, speak to people, and that's good if you do. I'm not talking about handing out tracts. I'm not talking about just about inviting people. What I'm talking about is an, a, a culture amongst all of us of believers that as a church family, that we orientate our life as a community together towards advancing the gospel. 
Are you with me? It's like all of us coming on a journey together and say, okay, we're committing ourselves to learn from the Holy Spirit, to learn from each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, that we would grow in boldness and confidence as a church community of simply sharing our lives with, with others and saying what Jesus has done for us. Amen? And so what does that um, look like in, in, in practice? Well, can I point you towards Romans 10? Romans 10, Paul writing to the church in verse 13, and he says this. He says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on, on, uh, on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And here's this little process we can see from verse 13 to verse uh, uh, 15. Um, they must call on the Lord. In order to believe, in order to believe in Him, they must have heard something. And in order to hear something, someone must have told them. Yeah? And so I want to point out to you at the very outset that when we use the word preaching in, 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 in the context of preaching the gospel, it doesn't not just mean to do what I'm doing this morning. I'm standing behind this uh, pulpit here proclaiming something, telling you something, announcing something to you. That's one way that we preach. But I want to say to you, you can, sh you can preach to someone when you're sharing a, 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 um, a, a coffee with them. You can, you can just share Jesus with someone standing in the queue while you're paying for your groceries at Aldi or Swaytros or wherever you buy your groceries. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes I think um, we can have a negative um, connotation with the word preaching. Oh, don't preach to me. You know, you hear people say that to you. Oh, don't preach to me. Like, uh, I don't want to hear that stuff. And we lose the power of what God wants to do through us. Preaching is more than this. It's, it's an attitude of communicating with grace and kindness what God has done for you. All of us are preachers. I might preach like this. We all can preach in the sense of graciously communicating the good news of Jesus to our friends over a cup of coffee as we are at work, wherever, at university. Are you with me? Let's become bold preachers of the gospel. And as I was preparing this uh, message a number of weeks ago, in verse 15, I was completely um, challenged when Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. How many of you, when you were thinking about evangelism, thought in your mind, evangelism is beautiful? I didn't. Did you think that? Evangelism is absolutely beautiful. To bring the good news to someone of what Christ has done for you is a beautiful thing. Let that encourage you, because that's really challenged and encouraged me. It is a beautiful thing to bring salvation and present the good news of Jesus to someone else. Let's, let's ask God to make that the default of our heart. I am doing a beautiful thing sharing with this person of what Jesus has done for me. Okay, you still with me? So as we think about this thing of evangelism, let's consider this very simple process. First, let's pray for opportunities. Can we commit ourselves as a church community to pray for opportunities? 
Um, and what I, f- I, I, I found so encouraging out of this uh, uh, portion in Ephesians 6 is um, uh, what Paul says. Uh, and he's writing to the, the church in Ephesus. And he says, make supplication for all the saints. And also pray for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel that I might declare it boldly. I was so encouraged by that. Because, you know, when I think of Paul, I think of Paul, the great church planter. <laughs> I think of Paul, the man who went around the Mediterranean boldly, uh, enduring persecution, um, uh, planting churches in Ephesus and Corinth and Thessalonica and all over the place. This amazing man that demonstrated the gospel. And yet, what does he pray for himself? He's submitting his own weakness. He's saying, I find it hard to speak. Paul is saying, I find it hard to speak. He's saying, I don't always know what to say. He's saying, I don't always feel bold. Will you please pray for me? Doesn't that encourage you? I'm not too loud that this microphone doesn't work. Doesn't that encourage you? Why? Because I guarantee you, every single one of us, when we're thinking about evangelism, we're thinking this I feel weak. I don't always know what to say. I don't always feel bold. Yes, we all thought that, didn't we? Me included. And what does Paul say? He says, yes, all of that is true, but please pray for me that I might be bold. So what I'm trying to say to you is, as we think about evangelism, I'm not asking you to work harder. I'm not asking myself to work harder. What I am asking, I do want to work, I do want to put my hand to the plow, but I'm asking God, won't you make me bolder by the power of your Spirit? Won't you give me the confidence that I lack? Won't you make me bold in the moment that I actually get over the sort of embarrassment of the first couple of seconds and I say, I'm doing a beautiful thing. I want to share what Jesus has done for me, with you. Amen? That's all I'm saying. So I'm not saying I've got this all together. I don't. But I'm saying let's journey together and let's get better together at sharing the good news of Christ. So let's acknowledge our weakness. Let's say, yeah, okay, well, we don't, we don't know all the answers. We, we don't always feel bold. But can we commit to praying for each other? This week, can we commit to praying for each other? Can I, have, can I want to be Pentecostal now. Can I see a hand? Who's going to pray for someone else? Good. We're going to pray for each other. What are we going to pray? God, make us bold. God, give us the words. We don't always feel bold. God, help us to be bolder this week. That's what we're going to pray for each other. God, give us the right words. Secondly, after we've prayed for the opportunities, we need to take the opportunities that God gives us. And there's a wonderful story in Acts 16, which I'm sure you know well, where Paul and Silas are in jail. And in the middle of the night, they are worshiping, it says. Isn't that cool? I'm not sure I would be worshiping in the middle of the night in a jail. Imagine if you got uh, captured by ISIS and you were stuck in a jail somewhere. At midnight, I don't, know if my, I don't know if I would be worshiping. I don't know if I would be singing songs of worship. But anyway, this amazing, amazing, um, they're singing songs of worship. There's an earthquake. And the, the prison doors, they are flung open. Isn't that amazing? This kind of demonstration of God's power. And I, I guess if it was me, I would have bolted out of the doors. Thank you, God. This is my opportunity. A miracle. Thank you for my miracle, Jesus. I take my miracle. I'm out of here. What does Paul do? 
he takes an opportunity to share the good news with the jailer. <laughs> that is incredible. He says, I'm not leaving. The doors are open. I'm not leaving. Let me tell you what Jesus has done. And it says in verse uh, 30, I think, he brings them out and said, and eventually the jailer says, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all in the house. Isn't that amazing? Taking the opportunity. Sometimes we don't always recognize the opportunity, but the opportunity is there and we need to learn how to take it. So I want to encourage you, as we pray for each other this week, I'm convinced there will be some opportunities to share the gospel. Let's be bold and take those opportunities. And let's have some testimonies over the weeks ahead of people getting up on a Sunday morning and just say, I just want to share with you, I managed to share the gospel with someone. I told, they might not get saved immediately, but at least, at least let's share the stories of how God has used us. Amen. So we want to pray. We want to take the opportunities. And we, third, we, we want to make use of every opportunity to tell the gospel. I've told the story before. I want to tell it again. Um, the last time Helen and I were in Berlin, we were going to a conference, and uh, we had a series of unfortunate events where the trains got canceled. First, the bus got canceled that we had booked. So we couldn't take the bus from where we wanted to go to Dresden. And so we had to take the train. And in order to take the train, we had to go all the way into Berlin, and take the train from Berlin out again to, to Dresden. So there was a, we were already like three hours late, all right? And then we get on the train, and we're on the train, and it's not moving. So we, we get into Berlin, the train's not moving. We're at, we're at the, the main train station. And it comes over the loudspeaker, please go across to uh, platform six. Someone's jumped onto the, 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 the line. Uh, the train's not going to go. So we then had to get to platform six, go to platform six. We get two stops down the line, and they say, sorry, we've had a problem with the line. Please get off and go. You're going to have to walk to your next station. So you can imagine, those of you that know me, I'm calm as anything by now, right? I'm really calm. <laughs> so I take our suitcase, and I was mad as a snake. I was like, come on now, we're three, four hours late, and we still haven't got to the place where we need to get to, right? So I take my suitcase, and I walk off, and uh, we follow the train line. That's the best thing to do. So we follow the train line to the next station. And as I'm walking, I'm talking, and I notice that Helen's no longer with me. Uh, and I, I, you know, what's going on? So I turned around, and there she is, like 150 yards behind me, talking to this young student. They're kind of like just walking casually and talking. And, uh, and I was mad. I said, oh, I was, come on now, we've got to, you know, destination, we've got to get to this place. So I carry on, I charge through to the next um, station, get our tickets, and uh, eventually she catches up. So I said, oh, what, what were you doing? We're late. Uh, she says, I oh, know, I was just chatting to that guy. So, so I said, yeah, yeah, I understand you're chatting to the guy. She says, I oh, know, he's a young student studying music. So I told him about Matt studying music, and I shared the gospel with him and told him about Jesus. Well, I felt completely embarrassed. I felt completely embarrassed. Why? Because I was so focused on getting to the next thing that I had to do that I missed the opportunity of sharing the good news with someone. They were just walking from one station to another. So I'm not saying I'm good at this. I'm still learning this, all right? But I am saying let's make use of the opportunities that God presents us. And so as I've said already, 
part of this great commission that Jesus instructs us in is that all of us understand that it's our responsibility uh, to share the good news. Uh, another example just out of Paul's life, Acts 17. Uh, sometimes we have to engage with different people in different ways. And here in Acts 17, Paul is speaking to all these philosophers. Do you know the story? These are guys that don't have a biblical understanding of or framework, and that's the culture that we kind of mainly have to witness into. And it says in uh, verse 16 of Acts 17, when Paul was waiting for them at Athens, the Spirit provoked him as he saw the city was full of idols. There's this kind of reaction in Paul when he sees the godlessness of the city. And so he goes to the synagogue. It says he reasons with the Jews and the devout people. And in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. I find that challenging, don't you? He just spoke about Jesus with anyone who happened to be where he was. And that's the great challenge for all of us. I, I, I find it interesting that he was provoked to evangelize. You know, um, sometimes when we see the godlessness in our society uh, and, and things that are really wrong, what is, what is our kind of um, reaction? Do we moan and say, this is terrible. I wish things were better. What does Paul do? That sense of seeing what's wrong in his community motivates him to evangelize. There, there's, there's a... There's a passion that rises up within him and says, well, actually, I know Jesus, and Jesus can help the situation. I'm going to be bold in declaring what I'm going to do what I can do. Wherever, Jesus, wherever, whoever I meet, I'm going to declare Jesus in the situation. Let that encourage us. Let that challenge us. The unbelief of his community prompted him to evangelize. Not to moan, not, not to complain, <laughs> but to evangelize. He was jealous for something of God's glory to come and transform the community. So there's this jealousy for God that we, 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 we need to cultivate in our, lives, uh, in our lives. And then the lastly, I want to say this. The main reason for us to ever want to evangelize anybody else should be compassion, should be love, should be a sense of, I'm concerned for your welfare, and I, I love you as my friend, I love you as my, my family member, whatever it is, and I'm fully committed to, to, to trying to share Jesus with you in a respectful, gracious, kind way so that you too can experience the freedom that God has brought to me. Compassion really is the motivation for all of us. And so I'm encouraging us on this journey together as a church community. Let, let's embark on this journey to pray for opportunities, to make opportunities, to take opportunities every single one of us to speak of the good news of Jesus to someone that we know, someone that we love, that we want to see saved. Ephesians 6, uh, Paul concludes, he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert, making prayer for all the saints, and pray also for me, that the words might be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Yeah? Paul, just saying again, please pray for me. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. And so we're going to finish our time this morning before we um, have some baptisms. I want to encourage you, and if you're visiting, 
and you don't want to uh, take part in this, that's, that's fine. Completely understand that. But I want us to pray for each other. Is that okay? In twos and threes, can you just spend a moment? We're going to pray for each other. I want to ask, we're going to pray into three areas as we conclude. Uh, first area I want us to pray in is, is for the whole church community. I want to pray for, ask you to pray for this church as we go through this process together. I want to ask that you'd pray that we'd all grow in excitement for sharing our faith with other people. That we learn what it means as a church community to have a culture that is in, instinctively wanting that reflex to share the good news with other people. Can you just take a couple of moments and pray for in groups of twos and threes, just pray for that one thing. And then we're going to pray for a couple of other things as well. Can we do that? Let's pray for each other for growing excitement in sharing the good news.